from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about a couple topics. Number one, we're going to talk about the moniker of Islamofascism, and I've I've rethought my whole stance on it. I, I said in I, some I don't previous even, ones, I don't even know what it means. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's it's kind of like a, a word that the conservatives used to throw around for Islam. As, as they were they were trying to associate fascism with Islam. Oh, they were trying to like Islamofascism is like a nice buzzword, kind of like the red <laughs> communist scare. Well, yeah, it was kind of a buzzword and uh, at first my attitude, my reaction to the word was just saying, "Oh, it's just some conservative prick trying to make us believe that, you know, uh, all Islam is a bunch of fascists." Now, with that said, I'm actually I made a list of um, principles that both fascism and Islam share that has made me reconsider. But oh boy! <laughs> also, also what we will talk about is uh, Jim Carrey and his crusade against the MMR uh, vaccine, and about the Taliban and their ambition to take over Pakistan. But first, so let's talk it's, about it's, Islamofascism. It's terrorist terrorists and Jim Carrey, <laughs> and the co- the terrorism of comedy. But mm. yeah, that's that's our show for today. So cool. let's begin. Shall we? By talking about the Islamo-fascist thing. So, okay, let's get it straight. Basically, it's to try to conceptualize radical Islam. So radical Islam is considered by many to be called or encapsulate the the concept of Islamo-fascism. So they believe it's a fascist ideology. So obviously some people were like, no, fascism is not at all like Islam and... You know, even even in its most extremes. But um, I was actually watching a video with... uh, Christopher Hitchens, who was actually defending the term, and he laid out some pretty damn good points. You know, I just don't know. Christopher Hitchens is a drunk, and <laughs> he is a louse, sir. Can you trust anything that a drunk says? I just think he's that... a drunk and an atheist. He obviously has no morals. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that he has some pretty out there views, and uh, and sure he might be able to spin things in a certain way, but I mean, for the most part, you know where his. Uh, you know where everything that he's saying comes from, and that's from a religion needs to be destroyed, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all no, no, religion okay. is evil. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, sure I'm if gonna... you, I'm sure if you asked him what he thought of Christianity, he'd say it was relatively fascist too. Well, in terms of I think his attitudes for Christianity, he does admit that it's not fascist in nature. Like, okay, here's the thing: you can admit that Christopher Hitchens may not be the greatest sort of like uh, or even most trusted source of objectivity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, if he does make a claim, he will back up his shit. So you have to take the Christopher Hitchens phenomenon into, uh, you know, in mind when you're trying to answer these questions. Because the man is a, he's, he's like an arsenal okay, well, of, of, of knowledge and wit. I so would... you have to acknowledge that man, just at least in terms of that. <laughs> I acknowledge him, but I'm not going to believe everything he says. I've laid out the, the, some of the similarities and some of the differences. Yeah, let, let's go through really, it. I thought we'd go through. Okay. So one of the first things about fascism, and, and this is if you, if you look for it anywhere, the first thing, the first word you'll ever find is that it is a radical ideology. Now, that might, we may take that word for granted, radical, but think about what that means. I mean, there are plenty of ideologies that are themselves not very radical at all. Like, for instance, you could hold that 
the, you know, the ideology that uh, human beings should be allowed to pursue their own interests in a you know in in a in an environment where they're allowed to develop resources and sell them at uh, you know particular prices according to demand and so on and so forth it's not a very radical idea it doesn't demand absolute adherence to you know there are people that can believe something else and then that's fine but a radical attitude is one in which you know it's a it's a join us or be destroyed kind of attitude so that's the first thing of fascism and those are principles that are shared with radical Islam. Let's not deny that. Like, radical Islam is not interested in other religions, is it? It's not interested in tolerance. It's not interested in getting along with other people. It's interesting in one thing, complete and other homogeny of belief. So we will admit that they're radical in that nature. So we can close that book, or is there anything else? No, no, that's fine. Okay. The other aspect of fascism is that it is authoritarian by nature, so that there is a privileged group of individuals that disseminate the kind of information and control that the organism follows. So basically there's a leader and you have to obey the leader. Absolutely. And it is very radical. <laughs> All right. Is there any sort of aspect of this that might... No, not... that's fine. Okay. Keep going. Okay. The other thing that it rejects is it rejects, uh, or that it has is it rejects individualism. So the, the, the individual is not regarded as important or significant, uh, rather that it is the group or the belief itself that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're going to reject that, that at all. Okay, there's an, one of the other aspects, and this is a de- part we're going to probably debate, is that it has some control over the economy, or that sometimes it becomes its own economy. Like it tries to control business uh, because it views sort of like all uh, funds or Everything is funds. happening underneath the it's umbrella, umbrella of, okay. Exactly. So, okay, so this is a part where maybe we can say that's not 100% true, or is it? I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a whole bunch of Islamic uh, rules as to what you can or cannot sell, I'm quite sure. There is. And you have to consider also the fact that most of the trusted banks in the Middle East or lending institutions are all religious. Like, they are religious institutions. They offer the service of the banking services because all the other corporations are not trusted. So they are banks. So there is definitely an economy, a private economy that happens within this religion. So it's not just a belief system. It's more than that. It is its own form of government, if you want. And it controls sort of like, you know, like as any financial institution, it has its own rules and regulations and so on and so forth. So are are you saying that the financial institutions are religious or are you saying that the religious organizations are are also the... That is correct. So if if you've got a bank, you go... To your church. To the church. That is right. For, wow. Well, you, you, you remember that girl? Uh, she, this, there's this woman. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember her name, but I, I never do her justice. She wrote a book called Infidel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like um, she she was a Somalian a Muslim, and she just talked about converting atheism, so on and so forth. And she mentions in the book that really the the church was the only trusted financial institutions because other ones were just owned by these dudes who just you know not uh, not always give back your money so yeah, you if, were taking a risk if the date trade goes bad then he's fucking he's out of his stall and in another fucking he lost 50 camels <laughs> you will not get your money today sir yeah so okay all right so we do admit that there are similarities there um Another similarity is they are on the right side or conservative side of the political spectrum. Uh, now, a lot of, you know, that, that's, that's kind of like why left is a socialist kind of perspective and mm-hmm. right is ultimately at the end fascist. So we can see that, yes, religious institutions are very conservative. Like that is an understatement. So mm-hmm. they share that in common. Um, 
another principle is that the adherents are incapable of dissent. Like there, you you will not tolerate dissent. Like uh, that's obviously part of uh, you know some of the more radical parts of Islam. Uh, they are anti-intellectual. Now this is the part that you could debate. Uh, because there, you can say that there's a certain type, a restricted type of intellectualism that happens within the idea itself. Like, read the Quran and let's talk about the Quran. Mm-hmm. But they're generally anti-intellectual towards everything outside of the Quran. So. Well, I mean, you take a look at uh, their, their attitudes towards educating women, their attitudes towards publishing books publishing scientific papers, oh, God. participating in the scientific community, yeah. participating in the intellectual community in general. Yep. I mean, there are, I mean, if you want to talk about it, uh, you know, an intellectual uh, thing that, that Islamic people do, I mean, lots of them, uh, you know, interpret the Quran and philosophize about that, but it's all, it's all within the religion, and I wouldn't really call it so much intellectualizing as maybe philosophizing. Musings, musings Philosoph- about it about it? I don't know. Yeah, well, anytime you have a, a, a very rigid framework in which you can extend the boundaries of your philosophizing, I think, I think that then it usually sort of categorizes itself as musings because yeah. someone's already thought of it and you can't think outside of it. So you're just musing on their per- previous thoughts. Uh, I, I get what you're doing with this whole list, but at the same time, I kind of have this feeling that, you know, you could, you could take aspects of any... Any uh, any group and basically say, well, here are some similarities. But you know, unless unless you got the meat and potatoes uh, that that are matching up, then well, I I ask you, what is the in your opinion, what is the meat and potatoes element of fascism in general? What what does it represent to you? For me, if it ain't fascism, unless you're you're killing. <laughs> Thousands and thousands of people. All right. I present to you one piece of evidence that I think that you're going to find quite uh, interesting was that there was a, in the 1930s, there was a fascist Jewish group called the uh, Revisionists Maximilians. That was their name. Mm-hmm. They were Jewish fascists. What I'm, They were Zionists, essentially, like hardcore you know, like, the Jewish race is the greatest race ever and cannot tolerate dissent or anti-Zionism and so yeah, on and so yeah. forth. So they, this was during the 1930s. Now, obviously, this group died and no one really talks about a fascist Jewish group. But fascism is possible in all sort of, like, political and religious spectrums. And I don't see that, I don't see sort of, like, the radical Islam, uh, Islam as being that different from the Jewish fascist movement of the 1930s. Mm. You know, we have to kind of, like, separate this idea that fascism is Nazism. We're not calling them Nazis. They're not Islamo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. But they are fascist. Like, there, there is a very fascist attitude. And this brings me to the last thing. Like, one of the big things about fascism is it always promotes this very masculine um you know uh, heroic militarism uh kind of attitude and it rejects like uh, multiculturalism that's an, that's another aspect but mm-hmm. the the promotion of the man as as kind of like the embodiment mm-hmm. of everything that's good for instance is something that is very characteristic in my opinion of islam in general yeah okay but then what's the what is the point because uh, you can tell me this what's the point other than pissing off a bunch of islamic people to calling it Islamofascism. What are, what are you trying to accomplish other than basically, basically just identifying, identifying Islam as fascist? I, un- I understand your point because you're like, you know what, all these points, you could say that it is fascist and maybe if we recognize that these governments are basically fascist governments, then we can start you know, dealing with them 
because they're fascist rather than, than, than not dealing with them because we feel that they're Islamic and we shouldn't probably be messing with their religious blah, blah, blah. I don't know, right? but I think, that... I think there, there's an inherent... Any time you declare something as fascist, there's a different reaction in your brain. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, did my grandpa die because of some crazy-ass fascist? It's, it's basically... You know what it is? It's a nomenclature that allows you the time to comprehend the very basic instinct that human beings have had over the last you know, 50 or 60 years, and it's that fascism is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Fascism is one of those things where it's so far on a political spectrum that it's just as or if not uh, much more deadly than communism. Like, you know, I don't disagree in the 1950s that people really feared communism because I think at its far left spectrum, it is crazy. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's not a very good system and people were afraid of it for a good reason. Uh, and on the other side, the right side, the fascist side, we have to be afraid of that as well. And anytime we, we label something as fascist, we are making a statement about them. Uh, because all of these all of these traits, being radical authoritarianism, rejecting individualism, they sound horrible to us. Mm -hmm. But to them, they, that, that's, that makes a lot of fucking sense. If I was to tell you, yeah, we reject individualism, that'd be absolutely. I, I like, just, do you oppose homosexuality? Oh, yes, of course. It's unnatural. They don't have a problem with this definition. We have a problem with that definition. We need to acknowledge that that definition applies to you know the the the, the to, to much of Islam. We just have to admit that. I just I just am personally slightly worried about labeling an entire religion as uh, basically being fascist because it, it turns. It turns every single practitioner of Islam basically against the people who are calling them fascists. You know, it, it puts a very clear line in the sand that says you are on the fascist side, even if you might not be an Islamo-fascist. You know, you might as well be, hey, hey, Jacob, fascist guy, how you doing? How do you feel about that? Well, how did, how did people over there feel with being labeled as fascists? I mean, we may think that fascist is a dirty word, mm. but there are plenty of people that call themselves fascist with some degree oh, of fucking well, yeah. pride. Ba back in the day, the Italian fascist party, they were just like, hey, we're happy. We are fascists. Well, you know what? They, they were so they were so fascist that they actually thought the Nazis were, you know, a degradation of, fa of, of, of fascism, which is funny because... Terrible warriors were they, <laughs> you know? Like Germany saved your asses, uh, but uh, you you probably had the purer form of fascism. I will admit, you probably had the better version, you know, because the the, the German saltier. kind is very scary. Like they were the the Italian fascists were very nationalistic, but the uh, German fascists were very racist. <laughs> you know, that was the kind of difference. One made one sort of very murderous, and the other one just made them a bunch of cocky sons of bitches that you could barely stand talking to. Mm. Kind of a fundamental difference there. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I admit that there is kind of like, I, I understand your fear of saying, well, you're labeling these individuals as fascists. <laughs> you're and, drawing and it the makes, battle lines. It, it, you're drawing the battle lines, and it makes it difficult for them to kind of like, for the moderates to appreciate the, the, the to, 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 to kind of stay within our zone of the fence. You know, mm. like, if you ask them, do you believe in Western values or do you believe in your religion, uh, that would be a very frightening thing to just sort of like ask to a lot of people because you would force them into a very unfair decision. And I'm not saying to anybody that that decision has to be made. Again, this, this refers to a very specific type of Islam, but it is nevertheless one of its inevitable forms. Like the, the really hardcore Christians, they may be a minority now. But anybody who gives you the Bible and says, follow this thing exactly, <laughs> they will inevitably create 
crazy nut jobs. Okay, it all, all depends on if they concentrate on the New or Old Testament. Even in, even with the New Testament, it is very confusing. I mean, like even the old one, they didn't have they did not have a concept for hell. That changes everything, man. The New Testament may be may be peaceful to you, but when you consider the Old Testament with the New Testament, now all of a sudden it becomes very fucking confusing because I mean, God just used to smite you. But in, after the New Testament, he'd smite you and he'd send you to hell forever. Like, that is an eternity of torture rather than just a momentary fucking, you know, sapping out of reality. Mm. So, yeah, that changes the picture entirely. The New Testament, for people, may seem like, wow, it was so revolutionary. Yes, but the problem is, is sort of like the, the philosophical application of hell and what that means now. Because God just doesn't come off as only vengeful in life. He is also vengeful in the afterlife. And that's all kinds of crazy shit. So don't go pretending the New Testament is some kind of motherfucking peace, you know, sort of like thing to the world. Because if you look at the Bible itself, it was designed and it was put together through the Nicene Creed to be a conquering manual. You know, Constantinople was a fucking conqueror. He was not interested in peace. Would that man give you a fucking book that leads to peace? No, my friend, those aspects were called the Gnostic Gospels and they were removed from the Bible because they were too peaceful. So you have literally the most hardcore version and the most combative version of the Bible available to you. Right. Everything else is some fucking fanciful-ass magical shit that you're never going to see. You know, the Gospel of fucking Thomas, the Gospel of Mary, the Gospel of uh, Judas... You're not even going to read that shit, but that's some hippie crap, man. They eliminated that because it just didn't fit into the whole thing. So, yeah, inevitably, you're going to give that in the hands of certain people, and these people will interpret it in violent ways. What do you think the Middle Ages was? A little literal interpretation of the Nicene Creed. That's the Middle Ages for you. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to go back to the Middle Ages, that's what that fucking manual gives you. It gives you the Middle Ages. So... You know, you have to recognize that element, even within your own religion. So we've been doing Christianity a service by not pointing to the fact that their manual is a barbaric torture device meant to you know, encourage slavery, death, and destruction. Uh, we, we forgot about that. We just give them a fucking, you know... Give them a wash. We give them a pass, you know? They're like, well, we're not going to deny your part in the evolution of our culture, you know? Like, there are still some values, with, even within the Bible, that are good. You know, there, it's not all bad, but there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of things that can kind of corrupt any human being. Well, figure this. If there wasn't hundreds of years of terrible rule under the fucking fists of all the religious people, then uh, the Founding Fathers probably wouldn't have, done, wouldn't have done that whole separation of church and state probably thing. Probably not, no. I mean, it, it got so bad that I don't know if you read this, but this is an article I put up from 2002. There was a fire in a, in a, in a school. Uh, for girls and they weren't dressed in burkas they were trying to escape the fire and the police prevented them from escaping the building because they weren't dressed properly this is the kind of rule you can expect from theocracies mm -hmm. you know th those girls die they all die because they wouldn't let them leave the building because they weren't dre they were dressed inappropriately so that's what you get that's what you get from theocratic rule very predictable. Very predictable. That's pretty insane. It is insane. Predictably insane. It, it is predictably insane. Anybody who tells you that modern society as we live now is a product of Christian values and morals has never really read the fucking Bible. It's just clear and obvious to me. They get their ethics from our society that is a secular society. Hello? Yeah, I, I'm sure you believed in God, but you believed in God in a secular society where that was a choice. 
it was not an obligation. You would have reacted very fucking differently. And your society would be very different because of that. Yeah, because uh, it would end up being a Cristiano-fascist yeah, type exactly, situation. Exactly. And this is my whole issue with talking about Islamo-fascist. Because it's the truth, but I know it sounds very upsetting. You you can you can apply it to any fucking organization, though. And you know, as he said, the Jews had their fascist organizations. I mean, the Christians, they were doing that fascist shit during the Middle Ages. So it's just, I, I mean, obviously we need to deal with these issues within religions. And and but to to just to, to label it is just inflammatory. Well, I know it. I'm I'm sorry. The fact that labeling something what it is is inflammatory. But you know what? People got to deal with that shit because I'm not going to pussyfoot around and say, well, I don't want to use this word for political reasons. I'm sorry. The, the days of allowing Islamofascists to go without the moniker is the same. It, it's kind of the same attitude that allows those same uh, elements to exist, which leads me to our new point about the Taliban, you know, being closer to Islamabad, capturing the capital of Pakistan, in terms, of, in case you didn't know. Now, they, the Taliban is on a fucking tear in uh, Pakistan, and uh, that's some scary-ass shit, because the Taliban are Islamofascists. Now, what, let me ask you this. What do you foresee, a, uh, a, say, a potential of a Pakistan being taken over to, by Taliban? Give, give me an impression of what that is like. It would be absolutely fucking horrible. Now, Pakistan is, as I understand it, a nuclear state. I yes. don't know how many nukes they have. I, I think it might be about 300. I'm not entirely sure how many it is. They have enough to heat the entire region up nice and toasty. <laughs> Very fucking toasty. Now, when the Taliban was in control of Afghanistan, what did they do? They obliterated all their forms of culture. They instituted Sharia law, and their rule was tyrannical, to say the fucking least. Very motherfucking fascist. Would anybody deny that Afghanistan or the Taliban was a fascist state? No. No, no. They, I mean, it may be a theocratic fascism, but it's nevertheless a very fascist motherfucking state. And uh, I'm, I am finding that there is a general lack of this type of coverage all over the place. This, this I feel, is being ignored in, in, in sort of Western media. Am I, am I just being paranoid here? Uh, not really, unless, unless you pay attention to PBS and you catch uh, the occasional really depressing special on, on the details of how fucked up everything is over there. I mean, I saw a Frontline documentary on Pakistan that just literally, it put me in a depression for about three days. <laughs> this is a man who's thought a lot about Pakistan, and he's not too happy about oh. the uh, things going on over there. What, what, what is the solution? I mean, you've thought about this more than there, I have. There what is, is the solution? There really is no solution, because the number of crazy people, like, you have to understand, th this isn't just an area that's kind of... It, I mean, look, looking at looking at countries and say, you know, look at uh, look at Canada and how thinly spread out the population is. It isn't like that in say Pakistan. There's a lot of fucking people jammed into that area, and they're all crazy. So when you're talking about crazy tribes, you're not talking about tribes in the conventional way where you would imagine a tribe of people being just a small group of of people trying to make it. These are millions of fucking people that are living in the valleys. All of them with AK-47s and uh, other guns laying around from, you know, the 50 years of warfare that they've been living through. It is, it is, it is the worst possible scenario. It is a hotbed. It is literally a hotbed waiting to explode. And these people, they, their lives are completely different from ours, and they're just based around the idea of, you know, living in a warlike fucking state. So, now, okay, but do you think a solution would be 
dismantling all the motherfucking nukes, like taking over, saying you are these nukes, all of these weapons have to be dismantled. Like we got to get them out of there. You you can't do it. You can't do it. Pakistan won't listen. Pakistan, definitely now they won't listen. They need they need every single show of strength that they can get their hands on, uh, and there's no way that they would give up the ability to have nukes, especially not with. Because here's the problem: is that you you've got the situation. Uh, it's it's falling apart on both ends because the situation with India is also still fucked up. And the more the Taliban moves in, the more India gets nervous. So India is getting really nervous about everything. And uh, Pakistan is unraveling at the same time. And America isn't helping anything by firing drones into Pakistan. Well, it's not even it's not even the problem is that a lot of the Taliban are also being fueled by you know the the, the Western aggression as they see it in the Middle East, uh, the quagmire in Iraq, and the fucking disaster zone called Afghanistan. Yeah, the whole situation is just a gigantic clusterfuck, and there is we can't just leave, we can't stay. <laughs> And also, I mean, after I got depressed watching everything, my dad tried to explain to me that that place has been fucked up forever. And it will always be fucked up, and thus far, it hasn't, it hasn't been a game changer. I'm, I'm a bit nervous that it will be, but I mean, things were pretty hot back in the 70s and 80s. But, you know, we survived that, so, you know, fingers crossed, I All guess. righty. Because literally, we, we, can, we, can, we can say whatever the fuck we want on this. None, that doesn't, doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You know, uh, we just have to hope that things play out for the best there. Yep. You got to hope that that little thing called humanity shines through at the end. All right, let's, I want to talk about something different before we end. Um, I, I showed this to you. I, the, the only reason I feel like I need to mention uh, anything about it is just because of, I, I, I kind of detest when celebrities get involved with causes, particularly causes they don't really understand. And case in point, Mr. Jim Carrey who is on a crusade to stop parents from uh, taking the MMR vaccine. And uh, I read this on Huffington Post, actually. Like, he wrote an entire blog thing about it. Mm. And uh, I was just, I don't know, I wish I had a line directly to Jim Carrey to say, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know why he's doing it, right? Because he has an autistic son, right? Uh, my understanding is that Jenny, he's dating Jenny McCarthy. Remember her? Mm, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Bare, yeah, yeah. Barely and kind of barely. like that. What the? I was like, oh yeah, she was in that really horrible movie and then she disappeared. It's like people used to want to see her naked, I seem to remember. Yeah, some, somewhere along the lines they wanted to. And then she she, kind of, she missed that boat. Anyway, she's, uh, she's, she's always been a big... She's, she's one of those people, because you were, you were mentioning this before, the thing that drives you nuts about this whole uh, uh, autism thing is that uh, people like Larry King get, devote all this time to having guests on to talk about it. And Jenny McCarthy is one of those people that's been on there a couple of times, and she's always saying, "Don't get these, don't get any of these shots." What is it, anti-flu or is it anti? Yeah, uh... uh, no, it's measles, mumps, um, you know, a variety of of, of ones. Yeah, like don't... important important inoculations. It's not yeah. a flu one. It's basically, it is the measles and the mumps that you know, if you don't get an inoculation for it when you're an adult, they can be deadly. They can fucking kill you. Yep. Do not underestimate these motherfucking uh, diseases. The only reason they're not a problem is because of inoculation. What a surprise. What a fucking surprise. Yeah, but she's been on there quite a bit uh, talking about how these inoculations cause autism. It, You know what? It just drives me crazy. Uh, it's one of, one of the things that he mentioned in his blog post was saying, well, um, you know, he did, he did admit that there was uh, no real scientific 
evidence to support it. I mean, what basically as it started is the Lancet, the Lancet, which always is on that fringe what is of Lancet? medical science. Oh. It's like a medical journal in, in in Great Britain, and they're always on that fringe, you know, like where they're. The one one day they'll have a fucking article that's kind of like, oh, homeopathy works, but then they'll retract it later if if they're on that cutting edge. Like sometimes they get it right, most of the time they get it wrong, in my opinion. But they've been involved in way too many of these kinds of things to get my respect. But the basic point is that there was there was an article. I think it was in the nineteen seventies. Um, it said that it was possible. Every other per, every person there, I think there was like nine guys who had contributed to the paper. Every single one of those guys retracted what they had said. They admitted that they had made the wrong conclusions. That they were just looking at the data wrong. There, there is no connection. Autism is not caused by vaccines. I mean, it's the science is not there. The science is so not there. And it's annoying to hear these parents saying, well, you know, my child used to be all full and fun and happy, and then I gave him an inoculation, and a little while later, he became autistic. Well, guess what? That's usually the age, coincidentally, where they start displaying the you know, symptoms of Asperger's or autism or any of the other kind of uh, related uh, neurological disorders. And I'm just, I am, it drives me insane. I mean, like, I have to wonder how many people put their own kids lives just because some moronic parent who thinks he's really got it figured out is sort of going on and saying well my child wasn't autistic before this immunization so it must have been that i'm like maybe it was all the grilled cheese sandwiches you fed him or you know the fact that there was radon in your basement i don't know <laughs> is it possible that perhaps you don't understand what is going on that it's it's beyond you i just think it's really unfortunate that uh you know, something like that would be allowed to be spread. So that kind of disinformation, basically. I mean, there are certain laws. That, uh, and again, I'm going to end up sounding like the uh, the, the right wing, no free speech guy. It should be this should be good. Go ahead. But I'm, I'm just amazed that you're allowed to that you're allowed to spread false medical information like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I understand. I mean, it, the, it, what annoys me is there is it, it would there be really the, is no there's no filter. You know, if if Larry King decides that MMR vaccines are bad, and then he's going to play it on his show, and everybody's going to talk about it because he's an influencer. But he, Larry King is a fucking idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He just has his, you know, the things that Larry King cares about. Mm. Just because Larry King cares about them doesn't mean they're worth anything. It's fucking Larry King. How long has it been since he's been relevant again? Like I, twenty years. He was relevant when his suspenders were relevant. That's when he. That's when Larry King was relevant. Yes, back in the old suspender days.